0: In today's episode of the Final Third Podcast, we recount the AFCON final, talk about our experience going to the coldest soccer game in history, U.S. men's national team hosting Honduras, and we talk about some crazy games that have happened in this past week in the FA Cup and in Syria. Definitely stay around for that. Leave us a rating if you enjoyed the show, and yeah, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show, uh, Instagram at Final Third Show. We know the deal. You know the deal. Enjoy the show. Hello. Welcome back to the final third podcast. It's Monday. We are back after a short hiatus. Not much of a hiatus, hiatus, I guess, but my name is AJ Tabura. I'm one of the co-hosts, fan of Minnesota United, West Ham United, which unfortunately we'll have to talk about, and the U.S. national team, which fortunately we'll be able to talk about because that was pretty, pretty fun. And as always, I'm joined by my other co-host, Jack.
1: Yes, hello. I am a fan of minnesota united i'm a fan of the u.s national team the french national team uh atalanta good thing we're not talking about them today i don't want to talk about that <laughs> um and of course chelsea which we do get to talk about uh for better or for worse yeah yeah
0: well i actually don't know what happened to atalanta did, did something uh, i'm forgetting uh, who they played this weekend
1: um i'll tell you what happened to them embarrassment happened to them because they lost Yikes. to Cagliary who oh, um, were in the relegation zone they were in 18th um <laughs> and they lost one to two uh, yes it because their goalkeeper uh got a red card. Uh, I woke up at five thirty a.m to watch this game. oh wow and I really really regret it. also uh Duvan Zapata got injured uh just a few minutes after coming on. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Uh,
0: well, I'm glad I'm glad for your sake that we don't have to talk about Atlanta. Uh, but we are going to talk about a bunch of different things, uh, including Chelsea and West Ham and the U.S. national teams, because, hey, you know what? This is the the Monday episode. This is the news and predictions episode where we go over some of the biggest news and uh, games that have happened in the past week or that are going to be happening in the week to come and so we we have uh, about four or so stories to really go over. Uh, before we get to that, Instagram and Twitter, at Final Third Show, give us a follow there. Go to our website if you want a, a one-stop shop for all things podcast-related. FinalThirdShow.com, all those links will be down below. But Jack, uh, we didn't post a deep dive last week, and for good reason, because on that Wednesday that we usually record, you know, the night before our Thursday episode, mm-hmm. we... Instead, went to one of, if not the coldest soccer games of the 21st century. The
1: coldest in history that I could the col- find. I the did some research on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I don't think uh, people in the 1800s were recording the temperature at games.
1: Coldest so. one I could find before was, uh, I think it was with a Norwegian team hosting Bayer Leverkusen, negative 14 degrees Celsius, which is about 6 degrees Fahrenheit okay so this was the cold at least as far as I could find so if anyone out there knows of another one that was colder let us know uh yes, but, do let us know you know uh coldest recorded game that I could find hmm
0: Wow that is, that is crazy and we went there with our friend Reed friend in the podcast has been on here before uh as well as we we didn't sit by them because Reed Jack and I we were in the supporter section with uh, the American outlaws. Jumping around and keeping warm, which is definitely a plus. Uh, but my girlfriend, my roommate, and one of my girlfriend's friends were also uh, on the other side of the stadium watching the game. And it was USA versus Honduras, the third game in the January window in this World Cup qualifying uh, tournament that CONCACAF is hosting. And I-, I thought we would you know, wrap up the window and specifically talk about our experience golding- going to uh, the-, the coldest soccer game. In history so uh jack why don't you walk us through what you were wearing in order to stay warm uh on wednesday
1: uh let's see so i had two regular pairs of socks plus a pair of wool wool socks that my grandma knit for me uh so that's that's good i was wearing uh shorts a pair of lawn pants underneath that um and then another pair of jeans over that then we had short sleeve shirt lawn sleeve shirt a uh, long sleeve jersey, sweatshirt, short sleeve jersey, and a coat, two scarves, a hat, and three pairs of mittens. So, uh, really, really right. uh, bundling up for that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was it, it was quite the game, quite the cold, and that required a lot of preparation. I, for one, had uh, some wool base layers that I bought just this past winter break. Uh, I, I had jeans and snow pants on. Uh, a shirt and then two two sweaters and then a winter jacket over that. And then Reed and I both had our hand warmers and our toe warmers on. Uh, the USA was gracious enough to give us free hand warmers in every one of the cup holders. And those definitely helped. In fact, by the end of the, the game, my hands were hot. They, they were sweating just because of how, how well those hand warmers warmed my hands up. So uh, overall, though, once we actually got into the stadium... I felt okay. Like, outside the stadium, it was freezing cold. I had my two scarves on, wrapped up, and I was. I had my mask on. Not not even to, like, protect me uh, from disease or whatever. It was just it felt really good to yeah, <laughs> have my nose covered from the cold. Uh, But it was so cold that when we were trying to get in, you know, we, we had to show our COVID pass through our phone, and then we had to go through security. That time between when I had to show... Uh, the security guard my my COVID pass to when I had to take my phone out uh, during security in that in that like what like like three four minutes my phone got so cold that it just <laughs> shut off it shut off and I had, and like we were staying right outside where the, t- the tickets were being accepted and we literally couldn't get in until my phone could like warm up and turn on thankfully it did we we weren't like let out we missed the the first goal which is the weston McKenney goal but yep. crazy and then by the time that we got we got up to where our seats were it took a while because it's freezing cold and it's hard to focus my phone was completely dead like <laughs> the battery drained because it was too cold uh, and jack do you do you remember what the temperature was at kickoff
1: uh at kickoff it was one degree i believe uh-huh. uh and, with and it feels, feels like, like temperature of negative 15
0: yes exactly so it was it was very cold uh, to say the least but spirits were still high uh we were in the support section a lot of people were singing chanting it was like it was like the cold uh just like elsa never bothered them anyways and honestly like th- th- throughout the game you know jumping around my toes kind of uh, got a little bit numb but shaking out a little bit i was able to stay pretty warm all things considered very enjoyable game and jack why don't we talk about that game instead of talking about just how cold it was like the real Minnesotans we are and uh, talk about you know how this game played out because looking at the lineup some things were changed from uh, the previous games that we covered before one of them being instead of instead of Dest coming in on the right back spot it was Cannon Uh, Adams was out uh, due to an injury so Kellen Acosta stepped in in the six Uh, Robinson was in for actually no Zimmerman was in for Chris Richards who uh injured his foot and Luca Della Torre played instead of Musa and I'm pretty sure Musa was available but he was just on the bench and then we had Wea who came in for uh Aronson and Wea obviously uh uh because he got covid a while back has not had a second a uh, shot or whatever for covid so he went straight from Columbus to Minnesota and on the other side after some pretty abysmal performances, Christian Pulisic was benched for Jordan Morris. Ricardo Pepe starts on top, like he probably should have uh, from the very beginning. But Jack, Weston McKenney scores first. A- a- any thoughts on the, uh, the the first half of the first half, right when uh, we got in? Uh.
1: Well, you know, the set piece was, a, it was a good set piece opportunity. We, we might've actually found... The best set piece deliverer for the U.S. You know, yeah, uh, after one of the takeaways in two this match. games of having to withstand Christian <laughs> yeah, after two games of having to withstand Christian Pulisic taking set pieces, uh, it was good to see something good from that. Kellen Acosta delivered a great, a uh, great pass in. Uh, Weston McKenney got his head to it. It reminded me uh, very much of the goal against Mexico. In the mm-hmm. in the comeback win that we that we had when he made it two to two to take it to extra time, uh, that that's that's what it reminded me of. It was a it was a great goal. Uh, you know he's been scoring well for Juventus, scored well there. Uh, but yeah, I think I I'm I'm trying to think if there was anything else notable in like that first half of the half yeah. that happened. I but, I,
0: I, yeah. I would say the only other takeaway other than Weston McKenney being very good and Kellen Acosta being very good is the fact that it it was only around that time like through the 10th and 20th minute where i felt like honduras could have a chance to make something happen mm-hmm. i think that was the only time where where matt turner was even really bothered in the match and you know to be fair matt turner other than that one point in the very beginning of the match was not bothered at all cuz honduras did not have a single shot on target matt, matt turner basically had uh only goal kicks was his main issue and when, whenever they passed it back. I think he only had like eight touches the entire match. And so uh, uh my girlfriend and my roommate who were pretty much right there in the first half, just like on the corner uh right behind him, they took a video of him and he was he was just running laps through a goal, trying to stay warm. Whenever there's a stoppage of play, Matt Turner would run to the bench and get put under one of those like really, really warm reflective blankets that keeps heat in. Poor guy just did not have much to do and was just still subject to the cold.
1: I thought he'd be fine, given that you know he he's uh, he played for the New England Revolution, right? Or he still <laughs> does until this summer. But, yeah.
0: Uh, to be fair, Boston <laughs> is cold, but it's not like Minnesota February on a very very cold day. Yeah, cold. but
1: it, it can get that cold in in Boston. That's true. It can, That's but true. yeah, I, I thought he. I thought honestly, out of all of the players. That were playing i thought he would be the most resistant to the cold but yeah i guess he was also the one that was moving the least so yeah it exactly. so yeah
0: so he had to make up for it uh it, you you mentioned kellen acosta i'll have to echo that sentiment uh he actually had a pretty major part in all three of these goals because most of them came through or right after a set piece and so kellen acosta with his corners with his free kicks really made things happen very very good delivery and i mean this isn't even like a one-off thing we've seen this happen before particularly with kellen acosta to miles robinson in the 2021 gold cup final where that was a kellen acosta a free kick that found miles robinson's head it's a trend at this point so i think kellen acosta might not be the the best set piece taker but he's definitely the second only to, I would say, Gio Reyna, who you mentioned the Weston McKinney, uh header. That was Gio Reyna's uh, corner kick. And Gio mm-hmm. Reyna has yep. taken some some set pieces even for Borussia Dortmund. So I think those two in tandem, I, I, I'd i be very confident. I do not want to see Christian Pulisic take any corners anymore
1: yeah. after mm-hmm.
0: the Canada game. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's go on to the second half then. Actually, not the second half. The second half of the first half. Because a certain Walker Zimmerman scored uh, a goal, like, kind of pushed off on, on a defender, but was able to bu- bully him away and uh, slot it past the Honduran goalkeeper. Jack, what are your thoughts on that defense and particularly Walker Zimmerman? Like, what a game from him, huh?
1: Oh, man, I I don't think I can think of a single game that he's played in, in a U.S. jersey where he had, like, that, a bad a ba- performance. Yeah,
0: yeah, he, he's been, like, consistent
1: like, yeah, so he- much. He has been our best defender for I, I don't know maybe about a year now. It feels like it for yeah. for quite some time. Uh, honestly, he he is the lock in our defense. If I if I had to pick like any one of our defenders to say that's a locked in player, I I think that uh, for center backs I should say because the fullbacks yeah. are you know when when yeah. uninjured we know who the who those will be but. Zimmerman has been great and honestly I'm not gonna lie, I think he might be my favorite USA player right now. I, I, I think mean, yeah, he, he, he's great. I, I love I love a good defender. There I, I really like it when uh to I I honestly appreciate defense a lot more than offense at times. Yeah. So uh I I was looking like all this weekend trying to find where I can find a Walker Zimmerman USA jersey. So hey, if anyone knows, uh please let me know because I yeah. need it. Uh he-
0: you might have to get uh, get one of those uh, knockoff jerseys. Cause I don't. I, I don't have I, any honestly,
1: names. I don't care how I get it. All I just right, want. Let's I, go. want okay. I want a Walker Zimmerman jersey. He he was dialed in this game. He, even in the cold, he was he was perfect. Uh, I footmob called him uh, named him man of the match. I think there's a strong argument for that. Uh, re- really solid defensively. Nothing really got past him. Good with passing he can finish as well i um i i can't remember what goal number that is for him in the national team but i'm pretty sure it's it's it, it's definitely not his uh not his first it's his third actually
0: for yeah. the national
1: team that he scored in 25 appearances so not too bad from a center back and yeah. really controlled the defense very well it it's uh you know he controls the defense for Nashville definitely controlled it equally as well if not even better for the US
0: -hmm I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a, a move I think we discussed that a little bit after the game but you know it's it, it's not like he he's a youngster by any means but he can and has shown his ability defensively to organize a, a defense and yeah I mean honestly right now I I still like John Brooks I still I still definitely think John Brooks has a place on this team but if you care about form like Burhalter cares about form then Walker Zimmerman has to be up there in terms of being one of your nailed-on stars. Potentially, uh, it's like him, and then you pair him with either Robinson or Richards because I don't think Zimmerman and Brooks would be a very good uh, a duo. But mm,
1: probably not. No,
0: yeah. So uh, I, I I'm a fan of Zimmerman. Uh, kind of looks like Thor. You commented on that yep. after the after the the game. We had Captain America, Thor, and then Harry Potter score yeah. in this game.
1: Uh, I mean, I, I think, I think Zimmerman's played into that because you saw his celebration as well. The little yeah. hammer swing. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's what it is. I have no clue if that's, if that's what it I don't is. Know, so. Cause,
0: cause I, I think Miles Robinson was also swinging that same hammer. I don't think, was It was, know, it, I, I,
1: it, it was, it was, it was one of the Robinsons. I, I'm not sure yeah, if it yeah, was yeah. Anthony or, or Miles, but sure. uh, I, 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 it sounded like they were making like uh the sound of metal hitting something because yeah. they were doing it in the locker room after the game as well nice so, nice
0: All i right. don't know
1: uh it, it maybe he is thor I, I don't know i'd believe it
0: yeah uh we also had some other uh, big name uh players come out and do well including uh you know talk about harry potter we talk about uh, uh captain america well we also have a jedi on our team that played pretty well i think i, I think Anthony robinson uh played pretty uh, well in this match uh, uh along with luca della Torre. he uh, on footmob he, he's not he's not rated uh, overwhelmingly well but f- for my money and for Berhalter's money because he chose him as the man at the match uh, you know the coach's man at the match I think he did really really well his ball progression it just seems like he can dribble past anybody and yes the Honduran players were cold and frozen but it, it seems like he just created things out of seemingly seemingly nothing Jack and I know uh you know, instead of our, our deep dive last week we had a, a vlog where we recounted uh the the game we had some footage from the game and jack you mentioned that you were wrong about luca Della torre so what do you think about him now
1: yeah uh i i guess i didn't watch enough Aero Divisi. maybe that's it you, you uh, didn't. He, bro. he was he was very good uh won a lot of fouls uh i will say he did lose he foot mob does say that he lost possession the most times in the match with three, well, it, but, that, but that
0: comes with the, the territory, you know?
1: Yeah. But, but he, he was very good. 89% pass success rate. Uh, you know, he, he had a ton of, of great dribbles. Like he, he was dribbling in and out of trouble. Uh, he, he was just really good. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to say. He, he was just a fantastic player. It was a joy to watch him play uh there were there were he linked up with weston McKennie really well uh which mm-hmm. is vital if you want a good midfield duo uh, especially if you're playing with a six and two eights you really need those two midfielders to be on the same level and they definitely were uh so i honestly i i think and i've seen a lot of other us mnt fan accounts tweet this on uh and just say this in general uh we might need to accept that moose is not going to be a lock in starter he's going to be he's going to be a very important player but you know there we have a lot of depth at that 8 position yeah we, like a lot of depth uh so i i think that you know uh it will be interesting to see where and i think luca Delatore is going to be in in the squad probably probably for the world cup as well pending like any injury or anything like that but yeah, yeah, I can, I can see him being a part of this team for the rest of his career. Honestly,
0: yeah, like, like honestly, uh, uh, MMA is a great midfield. I, I'm okay. I'm also okay with with Madlt as a a midfield trio: McKenny, uh, Adams, and also Delatore. Like, I, 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 I don't think it's going to be all the time, but I definitely see him, just like you said, being a backup to sometimes starter uh trading off with Musa, and I'll also say that this might be the last time we see Sebastian Legette get called up I, I, I'm not gonna go that far but I he did not play I think it's one of the first windows under Berhalter that he did not play a single minute and so w- when you look at maybe the depth chart that's kind of forming right now in Berhalter's eyes and in a lot of other people's eyes the six midfielders that you might take to the world cup could be MMA Plus Delatore, uh, plus Busio, plus Acosta. And th- that's a very good six man midfield right there. Uh, Young, yes. I mean, Acosta, I guess, would be the-, the oldest one, but a very, very talented one to say the least. Uh, moving on to the second half. Uh, th- th- halftime was very cold. We brought in cardboard boxes to stand on and we sat on them too. Very, very helpful. Uh, but we had. Christian Pulisic, on! the woman right next to me was cheering for Pulisic, wanting him to come on. And not only did he come on, but in his first touch, he draws a foul in a dangerous uh, free kick position. And his second touch was a goal, Jack. And that was right in front of us. So how how just life-changing was it to see Captain America, Christian Pulisic, a player for your team, play a competitive match and score like uh, less than a hundred feet away from us, that was
1: insane. Man, it was it was awesome. Like I mean, people people were you know clowning on him for this entire window. Like seriously, Me too. I, don't, I, don't, I was yeah. I don't think I I don't think I saw a single positive comment about Christian Pulisic this entire window. Uh, so much so that people were like, yeah, he doesn't even deserve to play against Honduras. And then literally literally one minute after coming on, uh, he scores. And he wins a foul. Uh, you know, he that that created the opportunity to score the goal. He he's really good. And people forget that sometimes that, you know, form form is temporary and class is permanent. That's uh, true. That's that that's that old adage applies to him for sure. You know, uh he he was really good in this game. He was tuned in. Uh I I, I don't think he 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 did too much. Like he did he only had eleven touches, but Considering that one of those was a goal and one of those was winning a foul, that's a pretty good uh, touch to a, a involvement right. to touch ratio, you know. Uh, and he almost had a second goal as well, got called for offside, but mm-hmm. uh, still re- really good performance from him. Uh, it, even in only 25 minutes, the 25 minutes he got, great work.
0: Yeah. And Clint Dempsey Clint put it best when he said that all it takes is one game. When, when he was commenting on the peel yep. six goal and if this puts him back on track uh for chelsea uh potentially for you and also for the the march window then all the power to him i'm glad he came back and he came back swinging uh let's talk about uh the elephant in the room here and the fact that it was very cold honduras was very not good to begin with they're already eliminated by the time we played them and we took them to the coldest spot at the time in uh the contiguous uh Forty-eight states, to the point where it was so cold that two Honduran players reportedly had to get treatment for hypothermia or hypothermia-like uh, uh, symptoms. I guess is a better, more legal way to talk about. I don't, I don't want to say it's like definitely hypothermia, and I haven't really heard anything else come out of that. But definitely uncomfortable t- for the very least for Honduran players, and that's led to a lot of criticism for U.S. soccer. Uh, for you know scheduling this in minnesota in february where they know it could be dangerously cold and jack i i, I have my opinions I, i've sort of shared uh, them in bits and pieces on twitter but w- what are your opinions on having this cold game because it obviously was fun but what else do you think about it
1: uh i don't think we should do it again it was a fun one-time thing uh negative weather in soccer though maybe doesn't mix although yeah. i will say uh It's a bit of a nuanced conversation, I think, because it definitely is, uh, you know, the U.S. has I I, I won't say it has never, but usually isn't the federation that tries to gain a home advantage by scheduling in places advantageous to them. I'd say that's that's generally accurate. You know, like a like they'll schedule some games in uh, Ohio where it's a majority of white people, which is more likely to show up for them right uh so i guess that that's kind of it but they don't like usually use weather to their advantage at all uh all the other countries in CONCACAF pretty much do like pretty i i i think almost every other one does
0: yeah uh mexico uh estadio azteca yep. is literally like a mile above sea level more than
1: it's a mile and a half above sea level. mile
0: and a half above sea level like, and then you have yeah. honduras costa rica and panama who all schedule their games like in the midday in, in scorching heat and humidity. Even Canada, their original plan was to have that game in Vancouver in BC Place where it's domed so it could be warm. They purposely chose to play it in Hamilton where it's an open field where it'll be super cold. Like yeah. every every team does this. Yeah. I, no, I maybe not to the same extent. I'm not gonna say that. No, I I, I
1: agree. Like every every single team does the does the same thing the u.s i think is kind of tired of it and so they did they did it on purpose uh should they should they schedule it again like this no but at the same time like if all of the other countries are going to try and schedule for home advantage eventually like it 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 becomes even more advantageous for you to try and get back at it but what i'm hoping it does is that maybe it will make CONCACAF or FIFA in general come in and say, okay, we've got to have regulations about like this kind of stuff. Because yeah. I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying stuff like, oh, but in the heat, you can have water breaks. And there and there's no real danger there because you can just drink Not water. No, there's danger. Yeah, that's why
0: Qatar is being played exactly. in the winter.
1: There's heat stroke. Have you heard of that? There's heat stroke. Yeah. Hi- hypothermia, uh, hypothermia is to cold as heat stroke is to hot. Like, I mean, it's that that's just how it works. It's dangerous regardless. And also Mexico plane in literally like Denver. I I went to Denver last summer and, and uh, listeners of the podcast will remember. I did not sound very good when we were, when we recorded while I was in Colorado, because I was like dying from altitude sickness, not literally, but wasn't feeling good. Uh, I, I can't imagine going to Mexico to the Estadio Azteca playing a game of soccer competitively for 90 minutes a mile and a half in the air like that that's that's kind of ridiculous to to even mm-hmm. say uh but uh you know the u s they they wanted a competitive advantage and so they got it uh could we have beaten Honduras anywhere yeah probably but it's the principle of it I don't know
0: <laughs> yeah it's the principle i I think the only reason why we wouldn't have this is that i I don't think it's really fair to subject people to At that point, dangerously cold uh,
1: temperatures. Yeah, we shouldn't do it again. (laughs) I I know you
0: agree. I I know, I know both of us and most people out there are like maybe hypothermia is not something we should uh, subject our opponents to. Yeah, probably not. I think we could have gotten the same advantage, like getting the cold advantage out of Kansas City, out of uh, Indianapolis, or I'm trying to maybe not Indianapolis, or maybe uh, I don't know some other place that's that's also cold that can host the game, right? And so. That is like the main reason why we shouldn't do this. But that is not to say, and that's where the nuance comes in, that we shouldn't be looking for a competitive advantage. Yes, we probably could have beaten them in most places in the U.S., no matter uh, what the support looks like, no matter what the weather looks like. But the competitive advantage was still there. And that's not something that we should shy away from. And the the fan support was also still there right uh, like uh people were impressed that Minnesota fans came out in full force cuz that's just kind of who we were so it, now we still know that the cold doesn't affect fan support nor does it really affect our quality of play i still think that we played very very well i thought our link up was surprisingly good despite the cold cuz you know these players are professionals they complained after the fact and that's also a reason why I probably shouldn't have another game just because, you know, if our players don't like it, you know, m- maybe, maybe listen to them. But we still played very, very well. And I I, I see a lot of reporters complaining about like, oh, well, it's going to hurt us uh, because we're playing in this cold. Late. Like it, it, it neutralizes the field. Obviously, it, it doesn't. That doesn't mean that we, we, that we shouldn't uh, try to make conditions better for everybody. But at the same time like we 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 still won like there's there's nothing to really uh 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 get get upset by because we have the preparation we have uh, all of these uh tools to pre- better prepare us for these games that it, it's something that can be bearable for these players that we can get something out of it so I don't know that's all I really had to say uh about that, yeah. Uh, Jack, do you have anything else to say about it?
1: No, I, th- I, think you, I think you hit it on the head
0: right there. All right, cool. Well, uh, U.S. men's national team, that is it for that. U.S. women's national team, I should say, the She Believes Cup roster was out. We'll probably talk ab- about that closer to when games are happening or when games are actually happening, I should say, uh, this Thursday in the next coming weeks. So, yes, check that out for that U.S. national team talk. Uh, But, Jack, before we move on, we have a March window coming up for the U.S. men's national team. Away to Mexico, home to Panama, and away to Costa Rica. The three teams directly below us. We've only ever, in the history of World Cup qualifying, have only gotten four points away to Mexico and Costa Rica combined. Ever. We've never won in Costa Rica. Never won in Mexico. A win in Orlando against Panama is theoretically all we need to auto qualify as long as Costa Rica doesn't win all 3 of their games, which is relatively unlikely but possible, but possible. So, Jack, on a scale to 1 to 10, how confident are you in the March window?
1: I'm feeling fine about it. I know a lot of other people are a little worried. Uh but let let, let me just break it down real quick about about why I'm not so worried. Costa Rica play Canada on the first in the first match of this right so if costa uh-huh. rica uh do not beat canada which let let's let's think about it canada is by far the best team in concacaf this cycle uh and if as long as they don't lose uh and the us win against panama at home uh then we're in that that's it those are the two events that need to happen uh so if if that if that occurs then we're probably fine <laughs> that that's that that's it that's why probably, i'm not that at worry. The
0: very least, sure uh,
1: i mean probably but also i think near like nearly mathematically as well because yeah if we beat panama that puts us at least uh absent other other results seven points ahead of them they can't make that up uh in in the games left because there'll only be six points left to play for uh, Costa Rica, if they if they uh, don't uh, if they don't beat Canada, then they're then they're uh, sick. They're they're five points behind us. But if we also beat Panama, they are eight points behind us. So can't make that up either. So literally, mm-hmm. but like mathematically, those are the two things we need to happen. It, as long as as long as Costa Rica doesn't walk away with all three points against Canada, and we get all three points against Panama we're in the world cup that, and we're playing against Panama at home. Mm Uh, and while Panama are playing decently, they're not very consistent as of late. Right. So I, I I, I agree. So I think that that is definitely a very possible situation. Uh, and I, I could see, I could see it working out for us. So yeah, I, I will say uh, in terms of worry of worry, if we, if, if Canada lose to uh, Costa Rica on the first on in the first game, then I'm worried. <laughs> that that's yeah. it. So as as lo- any other result, and I'm fine. That I,
0: I'm a Canada fan now. Now that now that we're not playing them anymore, I, I'm full on like Canada. I don't care. If yeah, go invincible. Place.
1: go invincible. And conquer qual- yeah, I, go invincible in Concacaf World
0: Cup. Yeah, go invincible. Like I, like I, I care about how uh, our Elo works and how our, our FIFA rankings work in terms of like the pot that we could end up in. But right now, it's just about qualifying. And if Canada, if it means that they go invincible in order to help us, fine, so be it. Let, let them have this win. I don't care. Just gotta get to the World Cup. Yeah. All right. Uh, you never give me an answer though. One to ten, Jack though. So oh, how are you that, feeling? That's,
1: I forgot that there was a scale. I got two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know how much I like math. Uh, so. Yeah, yes, uh, I know. I I'd, I'd say worry, like a two. Uh, a two. That is honestly like a two. Yeah. I, All right. I know. I know that's bold. But Costa Rica's last three matches, uh, you know, Canada, El Salvador is, but it's away, El Salvador away, and USA. So yeah, okay. I I think we can we we can we can we'll be fine. I think.
0: All right, all right. Well, that is it for U.S. soccer in general. I'm gonna go with a four from my scale. By the way, let's go on to the other big story this past week, which was Afcon wrapping up. Jack and I have been talking about Afcon pretty heavily in the past month or so because it's a fun tournament uh one of the favorite things about soccer for the both of us is international tournaments so of course we would geek out about one that just so happened to be in the middle of the middle of the, the the season in middle of the school year that was a lot of fun and so we, we covered everything up to the semi-finals last week so now let's talk about the semifinals onwards and jack i will take uh egypt i'll, I'll talk about egypt's path and you could talk about senegal's path and so Egypt beat Cameroon. It, it was uh uneventful. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> there there's some pretty big moments in the game, but the biggest moments happen to be in the penalty shootout. Zero zero the entire game, went to penalties. Egypt starts out strong with Zizo, Abubakar, of course, leading goal scorer in this tournament. Ended the tournament with eight goals, puts it away. And, you know, Egypt, the next two uh, scores, uh, uh, Abdel Monem and Lachine put away their penalty kicks, and then Egypt's goalkeeper, amazing. I, th- I, th- I think I am I'm, forget- I'm forgetting w- w- what his uh, uh, nickname is. I-, I just had in my head, but uh, Abu G- uh, Gabal or uh, G- Gabaski. I, th- I think it might be uh, one of his uh, nicknames. But he came up big, uh, either uh, forcing a uh, forcing a save or, or otherwise. And it led to Cameroon missing their next three penalty kicks, and that was all. That was all she wrote. Cameroon, the hosts, get eliminated. Eventually, go on to win the third place playoff against Burkina Faso, which was a crazy game all in itself. But Egypt go on to go to the to the final on penalties after already playing four hours worth of game in the past two games. Well. They just put in another two hours of work. So going into the final, they had played, what, six hours,
1: six hours of football. Yeah. Crazy. Plus, plus time for penalty shootouts. Exactly. So, so like so six and a half hours. Six and a half like hours. The, yeah. the entire length of the Star Wars original trilogy, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Jack, how did Senegal beat Burkina Faso in the semifinals?
1: Uh, convincingly, I think it, it, to summarize it in one word, is mm-hmm. that's that's the way to say it. Uh, uneventful first half was 0 0 going into that. Uh, but then Senegal uh, really turned up in, in the second half. You know, uh, Abdu Diallo scored in the 70th minute, assisted by Kalidou Koulibaly. Uh, good goal from him. And then uh, six minutes after that, they double their lead. Amadou Bamba Dieng scores, assisted by Sadio Mane. And then, you know, uh, Burkina Faso have a chance. They have a lifeline, 82nd minute. They, uh, Ibrahim toure scores, uh, and uh, you know they, you think that maybe Burkina Faso has a chance for a little bit, but then who else but Sadio Mane comes up with the dagger, 87th minute goal assisted by Ishmael Assar, and that was it for for this game. You know, uh, Senegal avoided extra time in every single one of their games. They didn't have to go to it once, so they they had they had to play literally two hours less a, a full game for Egypt uh, going yeah. in to the final.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was Senegal and Egypt in that final. But first, the third place playoff, crazy crazy game. Oh man, uh, Burkina oh, Faso versus Cameroon, and Burkina Faso scored the first three goals: Yago and an Onana own goal and a Utara. They all score to, to take it three to zero, and then Cameroon in the space of <laughs> uh, about sixteen minutes, uh, Baho Ken and then two uh, two goal brace from Abubakar in the eighty fifth and eighty seventh minute, sent it to extra time. They hold on for a, a penalty kick shootout, and Cameroon win that. Cameroon Cameroon go perfect. Burkina Faso um, misses one thanks to Torre. and Burkina Faso choke a three zero oh. lead oh man what what's what's going on there jack i i, I don't know i don't know abubakar is good he's yeah. probably the player of the tournament uh
1: yeah i i don't think anyone would really have a convincing argument to say otherwise at this I,
0: point I, I have i have one player and we're gonna talk about him later
1: i think i know who you're going to say but yeah, yeah. uh he he's definitely up there uh burkina faso i think if you ask them uh, like to describe how they're feeling. It's a uh, Spain without the S uh, exactly. that, that's that, that they're in pain. Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, but they did not defend well after having a pretty good defense, this whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just did not happen this time around. And uh, yeah, when you, when you're going up against the most deadly offense in this entire tournament, your defense has to be on the top of its game, and Absolutely. they were not, so, to put it to put it quite s- simply. So mm-hmm. uh, got to feel bad for Burkina Faso, honestly. Like, yeah, uh, they, they had an impressive tournament without a doubt, but for it to end like that just feels sad for them. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about the final and what a final it was. It was 0-0, but that's not to say that there wasn't some crazy moments there. Right in the beginning of the match, in the fifth minute, uh, Mohamed Abdelmonem fouls uh, one of the Senegalese attackers and draws a penalty. Really, really early, Senegal had the chance to really stamp their place into this game and control it for the rest of the match. So Sadio Mane steps up. Mohamed Salah kind of talks to uh, uh, the Egyptian goalkeeper, who I now know uh, the nickname is uh, Gabaski. And then Mane also talks to him, trying to to like get into his head and it doesn't work. Sadio Mane tries to take the penalty and Kaboski saves it. And that is why I, one of the reasons why I have him as one of the options for the player of the tournament. And I actually don't know if they gave out these awards yet. I'd love to know who the actual player of the tournament ended up being. But in short, in this game, he had eight saves. Eight saves and, and a lot of them weren't exactly easy. He's 33 years old, playing for Zamalek SC. What what a performance from him! Not just in this game, but in the games prior, in the penalty shootouts, saving some uh, some penalties in games. For a lot of this tournament, he was single-handedly or double-handedly, because he's a goalkeeper, dragging Egypt through the knockout rounds, kicking and screaming sometimes, because he was he was definitely keeping them in games keeping it 0-0 for the last game as well and yeah he he's the man of the match of, of this uh of this game for sure and maybe man of the match for the entire man of the tournament i suppose uh yeah jack do you have any thoughts ab- about the game as a whole before penalty shootouts uh
1: well i want to i want to talk about one thing and it's the two liverpool players that were playing against each other yeah uh mane and Salah arguably the worst players on both of their teams in this match. Yeah. Uh, like, Mane missed a penalty. He won a lot of fouls and won a lot of duels. Sadio Mane got fouled eight times in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that must have hurt. Uh, Salah lost possession seven times and had the least touches of any outfield player in this right. match. Uh, they were not good in this tournament. They, like, they, they scored goals, Yes. But they were not good in the in this tournament. Uh, like Mane, Mane's best moment in this tournament by far is scoring the decisive penalty to win the title. Mm-hmm. That that's it. Uh, like Salah, uh, what I I can't remember the last goal he scored for them. I, I guess in Morocco, his performance was good against Morocco. That's about it. It, it. Like you, you really thought we both thought going into this tournament that those two would be key players for their teams. But honestly the impact for Senegal and Egypt came elsewhere. Uh so yeah. it it that,
0: that not to say that Mane or Salah were bad cuz no, Mane uh, no, they actually, actually was chosen as the best player of the tournament. I probably would disagree with that, but
1: Yeah, I, I probably would as well.
0: <laughs> but but you know, he he still, you know, scored three goals throughout this entire tournament. Did pull a lot of the strings. Salah also uh, uh played and that's it. No, I'm just kidding. That was also pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I also looked it up. Uh, the best keeper ended up being Edward Mendy, which, you know, it makes yeah. sense because he, he won. <laughs> but I mean, come on, like 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 Egypt, it, it was almost entirely on Gaboski for some of the, those, uh, the four knockout games that they had to, to play yeah. through. So
1: I, I will say, um, I didn't realize this, but Sadio Mane, according to FootMob, won one, two, three. Four man-of-the-match awards out of their seven matches.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so,
1: I mean, it was mainly in the final that he just wasn't yes. on on the top of his game. Salah, though, can't really say the same for him at the at no. this tournament. He had two man-of-the-match performances, but mediocre against Egypt, mediocre against Sudan, meh against Ivory Coast, pretty bad against Cameroon and Senegal. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean... Yeah, it, it but that penalty shootout Ed, Edward Mendever made, made the vital save when it was needed. Yeah. Yeah, he
0: he did not 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 a, a great penalties uh, no. from uh Egypt which is kind of uncharacteristic from them. They were almost uh, I think yeah. they were completely perfect uh before uh,
1: this. I don't it think ended up, completely perfect, but they had a lot of practice on penalties. Yeah, they
0: they, they did ha- have a lot of uh, practice. Uh, uh, Mohamed Abdel Monem, who actually conceded the penalty earlier in this match, ended up missing for Egypt. Uh, very heartbreaking game <laughs> oh, for him. Yeah. Uh, Bounassar of Senegal got his uh, shot saved uh, by uh, uh, the Egyptian uh, goalkeeper. And of course, Lashine of Egypt got saved by uh, Edward Mendy. And when all was said was done, it was it it was what like like 4 to 3 uh four to I, two. sorry three, th- 3 3 to 2 going okay. into that last penalty right. kick Saudi Omari missed earlier in the match and he just the one of the best penalties I've ever taken so much confidence in that kick it's like he it's like he was already celebrating before the kick was was taken because he knew that he was going to score and he did he he put the dagger into the Egyptian hearts and won... The first ever Afcon for Senegal. So Senegal, congratulations, Jack! Congratulations, because the team that you wanted to win and it, predicted would yeah, exactly. win, won. Edward Mendy gets his uh, a
1: trophy. Another one. Just keep yeah, stacking exactly. them
0: up. What 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 <laughs> a year from him! A very yeah. very happy year from him. And honestly, I, I think Senegal throughout the entirety of the tournament were one of if not the best teams. I think all around best team in terms of offense that obviously goes to Cameroon, but all around best team probably Senegal, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I I think so. I think I think Egypt has a decent case for being one of the best defensive teams. Mm-hmm. Uh but Senegal, yeah, most most balanced, uh most quality on both sides of the pitch, really.
0: Yeah. I uh, did you did you happen to catch the penalty shootout? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I didn't catch it, but I watched it afterwards. Uh okay. There was one uh, the second Egyptian penalty. Uh, the the um Abdel Monim, Monim uh however you pronounce it. Uh, mm-hmm. He his penalty. What a wild way to miss a penalty! I've got to yeah. say, uh, it bounces off the inside of the post and away, like that. That's got to be the most heartbreaking way to miss a penalty. Yeah. Like, skying it over the bar, you're like, oh, at least I didn't even have a hope of getting it in at that point. But uh, hitting it (laughs) on the inside of the post literally inches away from scoring it uh, and then having it bounce away, that's got to be the worst way to miss a penalty. Yeah.
0: I I would say... That might be up there, but I, I still think the worst way to to miss a penalty kick is I believe it was Portland Timbers versus Sporting Kansas City the the, the double bo- the double doink and oh out. right
1: never mind yeah that that definitely takes it
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes yes but yeah I, uh, there's some controversy after the fact about Egypt waiting for Salah to take uh, the fifth kick right yep and I don't know if you have any thoughts on that but uh, I, yeah did, did you have any thoughts on that I, I should I ask?
1: Mean, it does kind of make sense because going into yeah. the fourth kick, they're 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 ev- or, uh, they're one behind, right? So they're uh-huh. like, yeah, if we score this, Salah gets to take the last one, and it makes sense, you know. Senegal saved their uh, best penalty taker, uh, in theory, for the last kick. Uh, just sometimes that doesn't happen, you know. You just don't get the opportunity, and it's not like it's unexpected. Like, Egypt saved Salah for the last kick, I think, in all of their other games.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. he
1: didn't take one against Cameroon uh, and against Ivory Coast. He took the final penalty. So mm-hmm. it was kind of to be expected, and teams do that all the time. Uh, I, I, I remember the um, penalty shootout. Chelsea, I think it was versus—I'm mm, going to get this. No, Frankfurt. Yep, it was against Frankfurt in the mm-hmm. Europa League in 2019. Eden Hazard t- took the last penalty. It, it makes sense. Te- teams say, save that. I I don't think you can really blame the Egyptian manager for that choice.
0: Yeah, I I mean, uh, it, it's either you put all your best players first, and then all the pressures on your worst kickers to take the more decisive kicks. You know, you kind of got like you know, spread it around. And it's not like the Egyptian kickers were bad. Like Lachine and Abdelmonim have made penalty kicks just in this tournament before. It's just I don't know. Maybe the 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 height of the moment got to the best of them yeah and i i should say salah isn't their best penalty kicker it is zizo and that's why he starts uh the lineup every single uh game uh for their penalty kicks and uh, he plays for i i, I want to say it's one of the egyptian clubs yeah Zamalek sc and he's been widely consistent for them for penalty kicks too so you know you have a good uh anchor start and you have the finisher at the back sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and you kind of have to like rely on your maybe not best but more still consistent players to perform yeah yeah so jack your pick to win senegal ended up winning my pick to win algeria
1: Uh, terrible (laughs) terrible
0: showing yeah uh uh your dark horse team ivory coast Mm. didn't make it past the round of 16 uh, neither did my dark horse pick. You know, it's still impressive that they got there. I guess Cape Verde.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Sadio Mane did not come close to getting the Golden Boot. Not he was at both all. Of our picks, uh, that ended up going to Vincent Abubakar Actually, of he, Cameroon. He, he
1: was he was in third place for the Golden Boot by by yeah. five goals. Yeah, and tied uh, yeah. with three other
0: players. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah.
1: Well, we don't have we don't have to talk about
0: that. He was on the podium.
1: Podium. Yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Uh,
0: my my disappointing team of the tournament, Nigeria, ended up. You know, being disappointing, exited in the round of sixteen, and your disappointing okay. team, Jack <laughs> Egypt, made it to the final. And I asked you this uh during the semi I asked you if if they won, would their would their performance still be an underperformance in your mind? And I, you said it's it, it, it's complicated. Yeah. So, so exactly. do you have anything to say about how this tournament went for Egypt?
1: I I think they they did do well. They they did well. Uh. But I also think they did underperform. I, which is, which is a strange take, but considering strange, <laughs> c- considering their offense, their their offensive players, right? You would expect them to score more. So I think the the more accurate way to describe their performance is a good a, a great performance on the defensive side. You know, their goalkeeper showed up, their defense was good, but they underperformed on the offense, and you know, like. Defense wins championships. Sure, we've heard that thousands of times, but you, you kind of need your offensive players to have like really good moments as well throughout throughout the tournament. So, uh, I I think that I think that they did well, but they underperformed on the offensive sl- side of things. Is sure. is that a fair take? I I think that I think that's fair to say that I, their I, offense wasn't great this tournament.
0: I I think you could say Salah maybe have un- has underperformed. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think the main criticism throughout this entire I- entire tournament and the thing that we mentioned before this tournament even began was the fact that, oh, well, this Egyptian team just doesn't have a lot of talent surrounding Salah. They have good domestic talent, but that's domestic talent. No offense to the Egyptian league. It's very, very good. One of the best leagues in Africa uh, at the top uh, of the table there. But still, it's nothing compared to uh, the-, the likes of Senegal, who have... Players from Liverpool, if you go through it, it, it's the it's the likes of PSG, Napoli, uh, uh w- Watford, Crystal Palace, Chelsea, Liverpool, and then in Egypt, y- you mentioned the attack. The attack is made up of a Liverpool player, a Galatasaray player, a VfB Stuttgart player, an Arsenal player, and some all Oli players. And even if, when you go to the back line, to me. It, when, I, when I see this team, because I, I was predicting this team to still do well. I was like, this team has a lot of flaws. They haven't made a lot of like like overall progress. They're kind of like in, I wouldn't say a rebuilding era, but they're still you know not where they used to be. I was I still was expecting them to be in the semifinals. They were two kicks away, two or three kicks away from winning the championship. Despite their defense being made up of three 23-year-olds and one 26-year-old. Like to me, I think this is actually an overperformance given how young and how much, how little this this uh, team has in apparent like definite talents. Obviously, they're still talented. I I, I think a lot of these players um, are European caliber, but there are a lot of big teams, big names for Senegal, and when you compare the two, when, when you compare like how Egypt stacked up. Throughout their entire knockout round games, how much they like really fought through things, how much uh, how much they had to really overcome, despite all the issues, despite the injuries, despite the fact that they're super young. I don't know. I, I think it's the opposite of an performance. I think it's an overperformance.
1: I I will Agree to disagree, I, though, I will you know? I will give full credit to their defense. They they performed. They the defense definitely overperformed, but the offense just was not there. It, it just it just was not good enough. Yeah, it,
0: it wasn't there. You're right.
1: Yeah, that that's that's the that's the issue. That's why you know, like even Senegal, I, I'd say like their defense was pretty good throughout this tournament, but their offense at times let them down, uh, as, it, specifically in the final and then in their last two group games as well. So I I would say while Senegal was very good in this tournament, they weren't as good as they could have been as well. Mm-hmm. So I I don't I don't know I I. Yeah, we, we talked about this a uh, few days ago. Sometimes some people say that winning's all that matters. Uh, other people like like consider the context a lot. I, I, I'm one of those weirdos who considers context maybe too much.
0: And I, I think context is good when you look at it from like, all right, well, well, Egypt played badly or not badly. Egypt underperformed relative to on the field expectations. What does this mean for a World Cup qualifying? Right. That's one thing. Then it's one thing to say they underperformed in a vacuum in this tournament because this tournament, in terms of how you view this team and how they performed in said tournament, is all that matters. And and, and I, I think and I think really results dictate how that happens. If they won this, literally nobody w- would even in a couple of years just remember how poorly they performed. It, 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 like you can play super well. But if if you don't get the results, it doesn't matter. On the flip side, if you get the results but play poorly, who cares? You'll still be uh, viewed as positive. And I, I think that dictates the hierarchy of how you view things in terms of looking at a tournament in a vacuum. I don't know. Listeners, if you have any ideas on uh, whether or not Egypt uh, over an, or, or underperformed, let us know on Twitter at Final Third Show. But let's move on, Jack, and talk about some score lines. Uh, first up, we have uh, uh, the Milan Derby, 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 Della, Milano, or whatever it's called. Inter Milan versus AC Milan in San Siro. Can I, can I give when it you, an
1: alternate title real quick? What? The Olivier Giroud Experience. Uh,
0: we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But first, you have to mention uh, the rest of the game before uh, Giroud went off, and that would be uh, Parasic scoring first for Inter. Uh G- good game from from him and challah especially i thought had a very good uh a game
1: against his former been, club yeah
0: yeah and he, he's he been on form this entire entire season one of the signings of the season especially in syria uh, a g- great performance from him other than uh, other than him got a look at uh mignon for milan who had uh, uh, quite a lot to do, given how much Inter were really knocking on the door, especially in that first half. Uh, had to make four saves and even had a challenge where he ran out of the box like a, a full-on sweeper-keeper to stop uh, an Inter attack. Really was the second best player on the pitch. Future today. of the French
1: national team right there.
0: Yeah, potentially, potentially. But th- this was a big match. To give some more context where we talk about how it ended up happening uh, in the second half. Uh, because this was, well, obviously, this is, a, this is a very storied rivalry, Inter and and uh, Milan here, but this was, at the time, first and third place, still first and third place, and a, a win for Inter would see them really consolidate their spot on the top and make it very hard for either Napoli or Milan to catch up and make a title race out of this. But if Milan would have won they would be only one point behind, 52 points to 53 po- points, with Inter still have, having a game in hand, but it really, really would put pressure on this Inter team. So if AC Milan wanted to have any hopes in continuing the race for the Scudetto, they had to win here. And Jack, I'll let you take it from here with what happened in the second half. Inter lead 1-0, but what happened there?
1: Yeah, well, uh, as I said, uh, the best player in the world decided to show everyone what he's made of, uh, and that being Olivier Giroud, he he was the man of the match. I think uh, for for this this game, I think you can go between either him or Mignon, really for it. But
0: I, th- I think if you score a brace, like, it, it kind of goes to you automatically. Yeah. Not gonna lie, uh,
1: and not not only that, a brace in four minutes, uh, right? Really, really good stuff from him. His first goal. Uh, was just your typical Olivier Giroud slash poacher finish. You know, there's a ball that's loose in, in the box and he just slides in and taps it in. It, it's, it's a great goal really from him shows that even at 35 years old, he's still got that striker's instinct. Uh, really good stuff from him. He scored in the 78th minute as well uh, to give AC Milan the lead. And they held on to that a- after that, but uh, man, man, after seeing Lukaku's performances in the past few games compared to Giroud's in the past few games, <sighs> feels like a lot of money wasted. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, but oh, man. that that's not the only notable event in in this game because there's two red cards that get given out. Yeah. There's one that's given out to, uh, I believe it was one of AC Milan's assistant coaches. Uh, sure. For, for a challenge... Uh, That did not go their way. And then at the very, very end, uh, you had Taylor Hernandez taking a tactical foul. Uh, Very like, uh, you know, uh, Inter Milan were breaking away on the on the on the flank. Could have could have been a good goal scoring opportunity, maybe not denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity by any stretch, but he chops down the player from behind and uh, picks up a straight red card for that. Uh, But yeah. Uh, that that's that's um, uh, it was a very late challenge on Denzel Dumfries, uh, but yeah, good game, great by AC Milan, really. Uh, do you have do you have anything else to add on that?
0: Everyone should watch Syria. It's a lot of fun. Definitely go do it. Yes, most all Yeah, that's all I got to say there. Let's move on to Barcelona winning against Atletico Madrid. Barcelona and winning. is not really uh two words you here together in the same sentence but here they are they've actually uh beaten atletico madrid in uh barcelona's homestead in camp new for the 16th time in a row now so uh atletico madrid still has some demons to exercise and that didn't happen here yannick Carrasco, good player uh scored first in the eighth minute by a Luis suarez assist and then barcelona decided to finally play well Jordi Alba and Danny Alves combined in the 10th minute to score, you know, some of the, the older Barcelona players. And then the next two goals, pure future. We got Gavi scoring from a Adamitrio or a goal or assist, I should say. And, you know, got, got a new player assisting a, a, a super youngster wonder kid. Cool to see. And then again, it was Torres to Araujo in the 43rd minute to make it three to one more of the youngsters scoring great for barcelona in the second half we had a uh, uh not the opposite of a we had danny elvez score the fourth goal make it four to one Luis suarez uh gets it back to a, a two goal deficit four to two uh and but the, at that point it was barcelona controlling the game and then danny elvez kind of put that in jeopardy in the 69th minute gets a red card due to a pretty high challenge and, yeah, it, it could have gone any way. Maybe uh, Barcelona could have choked. We, we've seen uh, them kind of play down to their competition before. But, nope, they stayed on. And, hopefully, this means that Serginho Des can now fill in for Alves once uh, uh, he you know, gets back up to fitness after being with the U.S. men's national team. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a, a pretty good game for uh, Barcelona. And it's exactly what you'd want to to have happen to this Barcelona team if you're a fan because it really maybe sets a tone for the rest of the tournament after uh, this January window. Jack, any takeaways here?
1: Uh, well, Danny Alves got a hat trick, you know, he got a goal, an assist, <laughs> and true. a red card. Wow. Uh, actually, yeah. did he also get a yellow? I think he also got a yellow. No, he didn't. Dan, I was going to uh, say he almost got the quadruple. No, uh, no, nah, nah, nah. but But uh, still, it, it was, it was kind of, it was interesting to see Danny Alves who you know, we we kind of made fun of Barca signing a 38 year old, but I, I can't I I'd be I'd be uh, wrong if I said he wasn't one of their most impactful players since yeah. signing for him. So yeah.
0: impactful for a couple different ways, you know, you know yeah. s- sometimes he'll give an assist. Other times a player will just blow right past him, you know, yeah, kind of, I guess, part of the territory.
1: Yeah, exactly. But uh, still a uh, good good performance all around from Barcelona, which is I will say Ter Stegen still seems to be sort of a liability Yeah. at this course. point. I think that if Barcelona are going to rebuild anywhere this summer, the one place they really need is they need a goalkeeper who, if not start, will actually challenge for the starting spot because I don't know what, I, I don't care what you say about Neto. He, he's not, he's not challenging for a starting spot. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, really, really good for Barcelona. Luis Suarez looked like the only player from Atletico that wanted to be playing. Uh, he showed maybe why Barcelona should have kept him, sc- scoring mm-hmm. a goal and assisting another. Uh, he had a great performance. He actually got named man of the match by foot mob. Uh, oh, wow,
0: really? All yeah, right.
1: I mean, goal and an assist, not a bad performance from him. Uh, it's just that the rest of his team just decided to not exist, I guess. Yes, yes.
0: And that takes Barcelona up to fourth place.
1: Passing Atletico.
0: Passing Atletico Madrid. And now with a game in hand, only two points behind Real Batiste. It's it's possible that they really take that third place spot, which I think at the beginning of the season, I think Barcelona fans would have gladly taken that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, to, to see that happen is kind of wild. Uh, good for Barcelona, I suppose. Good for a former Barcelona player, Messi who had a pretty big weekend today, or this weekend. Jack, what happened with PSG versus Lille?
1: Yeah, well, uh, PSG versus Lille, you know, Lille last season was probably the story of Europe, in that they won Ligue 1 uh, by one point, I believe it was, at the end of the season. One or two points. So PSG wanted revenge, and boy did they get it today. Uh, Mm -hmm. Lille scored one goal, uh, and PSG scored five they, yes. they obliterated Lille on their home turf. And, uh, you know, Danilo Pereira, who's been on pretty good scoring form lately, scored the first goal to give PSG an early lead in the 10th minute. But Sven Botman, a newer signing for Lille, uh, got them e- even in the 28th minute, only for Kimpembe to score in uh, like just four minutes later. So their new, their, uh, their new captain getting them back on the right trip. Or, sorry not new captain i'll get to, uh, i'll i'll I'll, uh, All right. I'll get to that uh kimpembe great so, uh, great player for them uh but then we get to Lionel messi you know people have been clowning on him for not doing enough at, at psg and he really he showed up today because he scored uh in the 38th minute typical messi goal honestly uh and he also assisted kimpembe's goal but his goal he dribbled around the last Lille defender as they tried to slide in for a challenge and dinked it over at Gerbic, the Croatian goalkeeper for Lille. Really just vintage Messi. It was good stuff. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, Messi was named man of the match for this as well. But PSG weren't done. Uh, after after halftime, right after halftime, Daniela Pereira kept scoring. He scored his second goal in this match uh, from midfield. <laughs> like, seriously, I, I I think he he's he's been on fire in terms of scoring lately. I I don't know what, I don't know what happened because he's usually been a defensively oriented midfielder, but Hey, more power to him. And at the, at the end of this Mbappe scored as well, uh, getting, getting a goal in the 67th minute, uh, which I believe was originally credited towards Marquinhos. I can't remember why I had Marquinhos in my head. Actually, I had a reason, but I don't know why. Uh, still great performance by PSG really showed how far Leo has fallen off. Like, uh, I, 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 out of all of the champions from last season that fell off this season, Leo is by far the biggest decline, uh, because they now sit in 11th place. Yeah. Uh, they are 24 points off the top. Like that, that's, that's pretty bad. Uh, I, I, Atletico Madrid aren't doing too well either after their title upset last season, but yeah, Lille are just on another level of bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I have nothing to say about Lille. It's just sad. Yeah. I'm also sad about Borussia Dortmund, who I want to highlight lost oh, yeah. five to two to a uh, Champions League contenders, uh, Champions League spot contenders, I should say, Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, 5-2 is not a very flattering scoreline, and again, it goes with exactly what we've been saying recently, and this entire season about Borussia Dortmund, is defensive depth is just not there. If their defense gets uh injured, like what's happened with Emery Chan, uh, Schmelzer and Mori, it just, everything just falls apart, and it has fallen apart they've now conceded the fifth most goals in the bundesliga oh, which for a second place team conceding 36 goals that is quite terrible more than a goal a game uh averaging i, I want to say close to two goals a game now conceded so close yeah. not not great from them i have nothing else to say about that other than erling holland please come back hey there is one them. good thing
1: also from what this is- game. Gio uh, Reyna, yeah. played. Gio Reyna's back. Let's he go. He played thirty minutes. Uh, didn't do much in those thirty minutes, but he did play. So that's very good news for USA starts. Uh, yes, absolutely. He he did he did create some stuff. He had he had a good shot on target as well, uh, but it got saved. Yeah. So you know, he he is back. That that's that's the one positive that we can take away from that.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Jack. Well, let's talk about some FA Cup games real quick. Go over some of the uh, n- near upsets and some of the upsets that happened. Nothing too insanely crazy happened here, but let's talk about Chelsea versus uh, Plymouth Argyle, a uh, 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 League One team, I believe. Yep, League uh, One. Ch- Chelsea at home, almost went to penalties here. Jack, why don't you uh, walk us through what could have been?
1: Yeah, well, uh, Plymouth Argyle got off to a dream start as Macaulay Gillespie. Got Rose up above Lukaku, who played him on side. Uh, Lukaku, awful game from him. Or maybe not awful, but really not good. Uh, he played him on side, didn't contest really that well for the header, and he got a pretty perfect uh, header to fall into the goal. Pre- really good dream start for Plymouth, but Chelsea put all the pressure on from there on out. And, uh, you know, they had a couple of good chances. They hit the post. Three times, including Kovacic hitting the post twice in, in uh, or the woodwork in general during uh, between that first goal and the eventual equalizer, which came from Mason Mount crossing it in. And as Piloqueta, not who you'd think of to score the like a, the yeah. most a, agile goal, but does a little heel flick to score that uh, really, really good goal. Uh, honestly, like I, I, I was I was really I was going to cheer, but then I remembered it was 6 30 a.m and I live in an apartment building where most people are asleep on a Saturday. <laughs> so uh yeah, that 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 ended up not uh not happening the cheers, but yeah, it went to extra time despite Chelsea piling on the pressure, 11 shots on target, forty one shots overall. Uh, just couldn't find a way through. and so it went to extra time and in stoppage time of the first half of extra time. Marcus Alonso proved some people wrong by uh, by getting a finish off of a Kai Havertz cross. You know, two players who haven't played a ton of a ton of time in recent mm-hmm. weeks, but really showing up for this one. And Chelsea yeah. fans think we're out of the woods no. until Maline Sar. I, I I just shook my fist in anger for those of you <laughs> that couldn't see. Uh, he loses the ball about the halfway line and tries to chase back for it. And then commits a foul, like a really bad challenge, in the 117th minute. Jeez. And that is not what you want to see if you're a Chelsea fan. Against League One Plymouth, with them giving them a golden opportunity, you know, about... I think it's... A a penalty has like a .75 XG, right? So about a Mm -hmm. 3-4 chance of them scoring a goal. But then... This man came in to save the day. And I just okay. rose up my Funko okay. Pop of Keppa that I have on deck. Because yeah. Keppa showed his class Chelsea's leading penalty saver in all competit or not in all competitions, but in shootouts. Shows that he can do it in in the actual time as well. Saves a penalty. Wasn't a great penalty to be fair, but he saves it nonetheless. And he's a hero for that, you know. Uh yes. he Tuchel kind of revived him. Uh he, you know. No one would have thought that Kepa would have been anywhere near a decent goalkeeper after the nineteen twenty season. Mm-hmm. But nah, he 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 filled he filled in well for Mendy while he was at Afcon. You know, both goalkeepers got chances to shine in their own ways. Mendy at Afcon, Kepa with that penalty save, and Chelsea go on to the next round. But AJ, why don't you talk about the close call with your team?
0: Yeah, I wish I didn't have to, but here we are. It was Kidderminster Harriers in the sixth tier of English football against West Ham United, which are currently near the top of the table in the first tier of English football. And overall, it was a very bad game from West Ham United. A penny of the Harriers scored first in the 19th minute, and it was 1-0 for the majority of the game. Uh, we had to we started some you know, players that don't usually start, you know, give, give some of the B-team some time, like Kral, uh, Yarmolenko, as well as uh, Diop in the defense. And they were so bad that we subbed off most of them. Uh, Rice came on, some other players came on. Yarmolenko is, I mean, I, 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 I like him. I want to cheer for him. I, I cheered for Ukraine because he's a Ukrainian. But he has never, I, I can't remember the last time he had a good game for West Ham and, And I can tell you for sure that this wasn't one of them. I
1: I can remember. It was against Aston Villa in the 1920 season. That's true. That's it. That's true. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it.
0: (laughs) But Declan Rice was subbed in in halftime and was the man at the match. If that tells you anything about how bad our our starting lineup did. Uh, He scored in the 90 plus first minute. That's right. We were a couple minutes away from getting eliminated from uh, by from the FA Cup by a six tier team, one of the probably one of the biggest upsets in FA Cup history, definitely one of the biggest embarrassments uh, for sure. And I'm glad that didn't happen. But it was also very, very close to going to penalty kicks, which, you know, ho- hopefully our, our, our goalkeeper can handle that. But, you know, Jared Bowen, thankfully, one of the best informed Englishmen right now, scored in the 120 plus first minute, again, just like mere moments away from going to a penalty shootout, and we advance on very very scary stuff. But uh, if it went to penalty kicks, maybe we would have won. Maybe we would have lost. Another team lost on penalty kicks, and that was Manchester United. Uh, Jack Ronaldo missed a penalty kick. That's pretty funny, huh?
1: Oh yeah, it's great. Uh, I I I love seeing Ronaldo miss thing, miss goals, miss penalties. It's great. Yeah, I love it when Ronaldo yeah. does bad. It's fantastic. Yeah,
0: and Manchester United did bad because even though Sancho scored. Uh, Crooks of a Middlesbrough, who is in now in the championship, used to be in the Premier League. Uh, Crooks equalized for Middlesbrough. They went on to hold on in Old Trafford, take it to penalties. And after, what was it? It, it was like 15 straight makes. Manchester United and Middlesbrough. Ronaldo made his penalty kick. Good for him. Uh, but it, it was very, very close to the point where I was like, oh, man. Henderson's gotta gotta get the kicking boots ready, you know what I mean? He's gonna have to take one, but no, unfortunately for United fans, Anthony Elanga missed his penalty, skies it straight over. The 19-year-old, I mean, I, I think there's a reason why he he was the the eighth taker, right? Like yeah. I, I don't think I was I think he was kind of hoping that it would have been wrapped up by now, but nope. The moment just got to him and he just skied it right over. Heartbreaking uh, for the young man, but. Uh, very funny for people who aren't United fans. Yeah. To see them eliminated from the FA Cup at home. Gotta be happy about that, Hanja. Huh, yeah. I mean,
1: this will be the fifth trophy or it, pending elimination from the Champions League, fifth year, straight year without any trophies for Manchester United. They are out of sure, almost yeah. every competition. Uh, so, yeah, uh, not great from them. And. I don't know. Uh, the the issue is definitely much deeper than it, than just the coaching. Uh, hint, it might uh, rhyme with the Blazers. Ooh, good,
0: good. It's a bit of a mystery yeah. there. A <laughs> bit of a mystery for sure. Jack, why don't you walk us through the three uh, upsets that have happened uh, overall, or I should say two upsets.
1: Two, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the two main ones, and they both happened on Sunday. Uh, Nottingham Forest versus Leicester. They upset Arsenal in the first round. They crushed Leicester in this round, uh, to put it quite simply. They scored three goals in nine minutes. Uh, Zinkernagel scored after a pretty poor mistake by Amarte. Uh, And you're going to hear that phrase again, because just a minute later, another mistake by Amarte uh, leads to a goal for Brennan Johnson. And then Joe Worrell scores for Nottingham Forest. So they're 3-0 up in the first 30 minutes of this match. Uh, Kalichi Ianacho pulls one back for Leicester in the 40th minute, so they go into halftime with some hope. 15 minutes later, Jed Spence, uh, you know, tries to tries to you know he he just wins wins the game for for Nottingham Forest, takes all the force out of Leicester, uh, all the wind out of Leicester's sails, and Nottingham Forest now took down two Premier League clubs uh, wow. in, in in the FA Cup. And it's not like Le- Leicester didn't play their strongest side, that's for sure. But it's not like they played a weak side either. So, uh, you know, uh, Leicester haven't been doing that well in the league this season either. And uh, now the FA Cup holders get knocked out in the fourth round. That's not good for, for Leicester <laughs> in the slightest. Yeah. Uh, but then there was the biggest upset of this round, which is Bournemouth versus Boram Wood. Now, I, I gave Bournemouth my, my uh, stamp of approval for transfer window of, like, the best January transfer window. The business they did, especially for a championship club, was just fantastic. Uh, they mm-hmm. brought in a ton of great players, lots of high-quality signings, but they lost to fifth-tier Borum Wood, a side yeah. that is, like, almost 92 places below them, it feels like, uh, but not not quite. I think 92 minus 24— it's about seventy places below them, either way. Sure. They 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 get the upset and it's a pretty lucky goal. Uh Mark Ricketts rifles it through about three defenders for Bournemouth and the goalkeeper. And it just barely nestles in the corner. And Bournemouth would hold out for a win. Uh, you know, really cool for them. I think they're the last non-league side in the FA Cup. Yeah, right now. that is true. Uh still cool to see one of them make it to the round of 16 that that's really awesome stuff for them but uh they do have to play everton next which yes after ever after seeing everton in their first game under lampard uh to uh, yesterday is a bit scarier than seeing everton under uh not ancelotti benitez that's that's, <laughs> that's yeah I'm thinking of
0: yeah well uh speaking of of the 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 round of 16, fifth round up proper. You mentioned Everton and Boreham Wood. The other matches are Crystal Palace, Stoke City, Nottingham Forest versus Huddersfield Town. I think that's the the only match against two uh non Premier League teams.
1: Uh yep. And yep you
0: have, correct. Uh Peterborough United versus Manchester City, Middlesbrough versus Tottenham Hotspur, Liverpool versus Norwich City, Luton Town versus Chelsea, and Southampton versus West Ham United. I look at that. Not not too many exciting ones. I am excited to see potentially Nottingham Forest move on to the quarterfinals. That they can get past a fellow championship side. Hey, but Jack,
1: yeah, and in that one, no matter who wins, there's going to be a U.S. player in in uh, in the
0: that the is quarterfinal.
1: True. Either that is uh, true. Ethan Horvath, who's been forgotten since the penalty save against Mexico, and <sighs> uh, Dwayne Holmes, who's been balling it up in the in the championship.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, not too many exciting games here other than maybe the everton Bournemouth wood side because uh, I, I think that would be
1: Southampton be versus West Ham. Pretty yeah, interesting but, but matchup.
0: It, 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 you see that twice, twice a year yeah, in the Premier League already.
1: Stoke vs uh, Crystal Palace maybe, but it's Stoke. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, 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 I'm I excited to see, like, st- yeah, Stoke versus Crystal Palace because seven out of the, the 16 sides are non Premier League sides. Their championship or below. Yeah and to, to potentially see a like maybe 4 out of 8, 3 out of 8 of the quarterfinalists be uh not premier league sides, I think that'd be very very interesting for the FA Cup and maybe we'll create some some good runs out of this. Who knows. All right, Jack, before we wrap things up, the Club World Cup is happening right now. Uh we'll probably uh, on Twitter cover some some of the games, but we have the 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 semifinalists already Already chosen, we have Al-Hilal versus Chelsea. Uh, Al-Hilal, of course, being the Saudi Arabian side. And Palmeiras versus Al-Ali Palmeiras of the Brazilian League and Al-Ali of the Egyptian side. Jack, I want to hear your predictions for the semifinal and eventually the final. First of all, Al-Hilal versus Chelsea. Who are you taking? Uh, I I can't imagine you'd you'd be biased towards one side.
1: No, not at all. Um, I actually think it's going to be a lot tougher than I initially thought. I think so too. Al-Hilal? I forgot how many good attackers they have on their team. Their defense might not be the best, but oh my god, they've got Mateus, Mateus Pereira. That's what I'm worried about because he haunts my nightmares from the West Brom versus Chelsea games that, last season. That that man turned into Messi every time he played against us, and I am not looking forward to to uh, to seeing him. Uh, Odio Egallo. Is, uh, is playing there, yeah, Musa new Morega. Signing, new signing, Musa yeah. Morega, who who played really well uh, for uh, Porto I, against us, might I add, uh, that that in the Champions League. That's the issue. We've there's a lot of players on this team who played well against us in the past. Uh, I'm still obviously going to back Chelsea. I'm, I'm still going to back us because I, I I think we should, in theory, have Mendy back for this game. Not that I don't trust Kepa, but I do trust Mendy a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Chelsea can can pull this off, especially if we can break down their defense. Their defense is definitely their weakest part of their squad. It's just going to be about neutralizing that attack, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to be tough because they've got, while older attackers, good attackers. Uh yeah. The other one, Palmeiras versus Al-Ali, uh, I I think... I. I don't know. It, it's it's a little bit tough to try and predict. They actually played each other in the Club World Cup last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Ali advanced on penalties. I, I I honestly don't know too much about either of these sides, but I I'm probably gonna go with Palmeiras, probably. I I don't know. Al- Good Al- choice. Ali didn't choice. look that great against Monterey. Uh, they they looked fine, just not fantastic.
0: Good choice, good choice, Jack. You know why? I'll, I'll start with that with that match. Okay. Uh, Ali are missing six players because of Afcon. Oh. And five are injured. And I I highly doubt that 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 they'll get those players back in time, considering that the match is coming up soon. And that actually says a lot more about Monterey and the fact that they lost them rather than all yeah. uh, Ali. Uh, but they are still one of the more dominant African sides ever. Currently, first in their league, so you know, not much to look past. But Palmeiras definitely can't be overlooked. You have uh, Dudu Duda, uh, a Palmeiras legend. <laughs> you have goalkeeper Weverton, oh, which, okay. which sounds
1: I I, which, I, I I know him, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have new signing Eduard Atuesta of LaFC, and like midfielder uh, Ronnie Roney. Uh, so some good players overall. Uh, they obviously have done pretty well in the Brazilian league in the past couple of years. Uh, so not too much there i think that al ali can really compete with so i'm going to go with palmeiras move me on to the final al versus chelsea al ahli beat al jazeera 6 to 1 but still like chelsea probably should be beating them uh considering that al you know they have got they got good players you, you mentioned morega igalo uh they don't have uh, uh gomez anymore former swansea city player he just moved to galatas right he was the leading goal scorer in the saudi league last year but still if you beat a team six to one, that kind of has to mean something. But I still think Chelsea are gonna win. But Jack, Chelsea versus Palmeiras, we both agree in it. Who are you taking? Because if I if I remind you, I, I want you to to think back and think about the, the who was who the last European team to lose to a non-European team in a uh, the Club World Cup. And I, I'll I'll let you marinate on that while you give your answer.
1: It was Chelsea. I yes the, the Club World Cup is the only trophy that Chelsea have competed for and not won. That that that's
0: does, it. Does, does that change? Does that change? Uh,
1: yes, I hope so. Uh, I I, th- I think that Chelsea should be able to do this. We have the depth to compete in this tournament, uh, and you know I I I think we will do well enough. The only worry I have is that since Tuchel got COVID literally before the Plymouth Argyle game, like the day before uh we probably won't have him there and that scares me because he's a great coach so uh but i i still think that uh that chelsea should come out on top in this game i hope so i want to get another i want to see another trophy for for chelsea that that would be our second trophy this year hopefully add in another one in a few weeks with the efl cup then get the fa cup maybe the champions league again for good measure <laughs> uh so I don't know I I, I think we're, I think we should still I feel like we should win we should will we I hope so
0: I'm going with Palmeiras no, all the no. way <laughs> let's go I, I, I'm, I'm gonna be watching that game and I'll be cheering my heart out for Palmeiras. I'll become the biggest Palmeiras nah, fan nah. For, for, for just for just 90 minutes because I'd love really to see you really do that see. to
1: Christian Pulisic you don't want him to be part you, you don't want him to win a trophy Wow. He
0: already won the Champions League in the nation. Yeah. But, he, well, but that's
1: only the best in North America and the best in Europe. He needs to conquer the world, bro. Come on. Yeah,
0: he will when he wins the World Cup this, uh, oh, this winter. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's interesting before we wrap things up, uh, that Chelsea are going to be the first Premier League side to experience the robot ref. Um, Jack, I don't know if you've heard about what? this, but uh Huh
1: Sorry?
0: <laughs> There's robot refs now. Yeah, I'm serious. Uh-huh. Uh, now for offside decisions, instead of uh, leaning on actual human referees, they are turning to camera referee technology. And it's already called back, uh, successfully called back an offside, rightfully offside goal. Zayed Goal, which is, a he played for Al Jazeera, who beat AS Pere in the, the very first round of the Club World Cup. He was uh, quite a bit offside, and the robot ref was able to catch that and market offside uh and so uh <laughs> when i say robot ref uh, it, it's like you know it, it's just like ai or whatever no, I, it's not like there's <laughs> it's not like it's actually like a robot out no, there it's like I, walking I, I was, and, and I was like,
1: imagining it have you seen the Osimo robot that honda made like a, a, yeah like, yeah that's what i was imagining for a second and i was like i, I was worried for a second but no, that no, that's no. a little bit better that but still uh it'll be interesting
0: yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see timo Werner to you know, get a, a goal no. called back. Not just by human reps, by uh, robot reps, too.
1: Uh, that would make me so sad for him. You know what? He's yeah. going to score in the final now just to just to spite you.
0: I oh, know. Palme- Weverton's got him on lock. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, probably such, doesn't. Such a big Palmeiras <laughs> fan I am. Yeah. yeah. All right. That is it for today's episode. A bit of a long one, but, you know, we weren't here on Thursday. Got to give the people what they want. Plus, there was
1: a lot of soccer, you know.
0: There was a whole, too much soccer at some points. Just kidding. You can never get too much soccer. Jack, if you want to find out even more soccer news, because they, you know, even maybe this episode just isn't enough for them. Where can they find us? Uh
1: well, you can find us on Twitter at final third show. Uh we've been posting or we I've been posting there a lot, a lot, because uh, you know, why not? Uh, it's 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 been it's been fun. There's there's been a lot of good stuff happening on Twitter. Had to admit that I was wrong about Luca Della Torre on there. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's a fun time you know, you know I'll I'll put up a poll for the Club World Cup and then we can really see who who is gonna win because polls are a great predictor of who wins as we know from our past prediction games uh, yes. but yeah uh, it, it, it's it's a good place to be you know uh, Twitter at Final Third show Instagram we have that too if you want that uh, but to get the full range of content you really want to head to Twitter
0: yeah and also check out our website finalthirdshow.com the one-stop shop for all things final third podcast and that url is going to be final dot com link will be down below we'll see you guys uh coming up this thursday for a very special deep dive episode going over the mls eastern conference yes that's right we're just 20 days away from the start of the mls oh, season i can't believe it and we're gonna be recapping we're not recapping pre-capping previewing might be a better word actually <laughs> Uh, the Eastern Conference, so definitely check check that out. Tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about AFCON and the U.S. men's national team taking on Honduras. We'll see you guys same time, same place next Monday for a very, very fun and cool news and predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now.